Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. This is Zach. And this is Stuart. And uh, this is a main show. Uh, this one, uh, or this week, we were talking about my choice of yeah. the 1990 film Total Recall, or Get Your Ass to Mars, or <laughs> Baby, You Made Me Wish I Had Three Hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. That oh. one. <laughs> That was um, a scene. That was that's, that's a scene that was shot and went through multiple people, multiple layers of production to, to for us to be able to experience it. So yeah, I feel like we like, need to pay. <laughs> this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So the uh, I guess I'll I'll just go through the the pre production notes. Uh, basically, this movie came out in uh, nineteen ninety. Uh, 60 million dollar budget 262 million dollar box office with a current day rotten tomatoes of 82 percent metacritic Hmm. not so high at 57 (laughs) Um, and then cinema score which you know is the one that i kind of trust just because um of it's it's where they they question people as soon as they're leaving the theater uh, and kind of get their feedback there. Uh, Cinema score has it at a minus. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um. So yeah, the uh, the original screenplay for the film was um, written by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett, who you know wrote Alien, which we mm-hmm. discussed um, earlier this year. Actually, it feels like forever ago. Yeah, I um, know. But it was uh, written. Uh, before Alien, uh, actually, and it was, they they bought the rights to Dick's uh, short story called "We Can Remember It for You Wholesale." Um, yeah, I'd be actually interested to to read that short story. His stuff it's it's not great. His stuff is kind no. of dense. If you're not just, I I don't know. It's like I like Blade Runner or mm-hmm. uh, not Blade Runner. Um, um Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. Like he's very psychedelic um not blade runner but neuromancer no no that's gibson gibson yeah okay yeah um but they uh, they bought the rights to philip k dick's story and um it just kind of sat around in development hell for years like there were 40 drafts of a screenplay written um because mm-hmm. like i said this movie came out in 1990 um in the mid eighties, uh, a guy named Dino De Laurentiis took on the project with, uh, Richard Dreyfus set to star, <laughs> mm. <laughs> maybe Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Um, in but the place of the Arnold right Schwarzenegger. Man. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have been the first film for his entertainment group, um, with the script by O'Bannon and Shusset. That version was never made. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of false starts to this this one um so cronenberg uh was hired david cronenberg was hired by de laurentis uh, because he felt that o'bannon and shusset didn't know where to take the story yeah um cronenberg recalled the project as being a constant fight with ronald shusset um according to him over the course of a year in 12 different drafts um shusset commented that all they all they had done was adapt the philip k dick story Mm -hmm. and cronenberg's response is well isn't that what we're supposed to be doing yeah which that's you know that's it's legit 
It's a- yeah, that's that's a, a, a perfectly reasonable question to ask. And his response was, no, we want to make Raiders of the Lost Ark go to Mars. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. So so Cronenberg leaves the project shortly after that. Um, and then a lot of his ideas uh, actually went into the final product. So like... Hmm. The idea that he had was for mutants being on Mars uh, and Quato, like all, all of those aspects, um, which feature pretty heavily in, in it, are things yeah. that Cronenberg brought, which shouldn't be surprising because he's a weirdo mm-hmm. and I love him. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, let's see, De Laurentiis lost interest in an adaptation after he produced Dune. And that movie flopped real hard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although I like it. I don't know if you've ever seen the original Dune. Um, I, it's been it's pretty forever. Um, yeah, I hardly can recall. But they're making another one, right? So uh, Yes, they are. I'm going to be there. Well, I'm not going to risk my health, but yeah. I definitely want to see it in theaters. Yeah, it should be interesting. But yeah, yeah I've, I remember seeing the movie, but a long, long time ago yeah that that kind of made dealer into gun shy i think of releasing a science fiction adaptation of anything and so he just kind of walked uh, mm-hmm. at that point on, on that version um arnold uh, actually approached dealer to star but he was turned down um <laughs> he he wanted to yeah. film with uh joel silver producing uh joel silver he is who he worked with on predator Oh, okay. um, and so he convinced Caralco to buy the rights for uh, $3 million and then negotiated a salary for himself of a million dollars and then 15% of the box office. Hmm. He also negotiated veto power over the producer, director, screenplay, casting, and production. Oh, wow. That's, um, that's a lot. That's a, yeah, he, he, he's very savvy. Um he also personally recruited Paul Verhoeven, um, who Verhoeven, the, the reason he, he was in contact with Verhoeven is that Paul Verhoeven is, was, was wanting to get Schwarzenegger to be Robocop. Yeah, that would have been interesting. It would have been interesting, except that I don't think it would have been the movie that everyone's imagining because yeah because like that armor would like fits well around that the the actor peter weller mm-hmm. well but because peter weller is a very skinny guy like he's very tiny and there's yeah. a lot of metal in that actual costume <laughs> True. <laughs> they couldn't make that fit arnold i don't think like i'm i'm not convinced that he would have looked good in that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he would have been too massive um but yeah, they, they had 42 drafts uh, into the script at this point, and they still had no third act. So Schwarzenegger worked with Shusset to finish the, the screenplay. Um, I don't think that Arnold has a, a, a writing credit on it, though. Um, oh, so I'm, I'm sure that there's some like like Screenwriters Guild rules for that. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, they actually went into production. Uh, they... Uh, spent five months filming in Mexico City uh, and then Studio Churubusco, uh, which is where they filmed uh, Conan the Destroyer, Dune, uh, Romancing the Stone, License to Kill, Honey, I Shrink the Kids, and Hunt for Red October. Which that yeah. last one, that last one's kind of weird because 
the majority of that is in the ocean. And yeah, the reason they, they shot at hmm. the studio for all the other ones is because there's a lot of desert involved. So I don't know why they shot Hunt, Hunt. for Red October. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's this, a bit but, strange, but um, the, the subway system um, and the, the vehicles uh, that you see in the, mm. the, the, the scenes where they, he's going through the, the terminals and shooting things and all that, which is really um, like cool. It is really cool. They, um, they, they, uh, at the time were all actually part of the Mexico city Metro. So like oh. those are actual subway cars that they just painted gray. And then they had, um, uh, t- like TV monitors and stuff added to the walls of the station to make it look like a, like a futuristic thing. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I remember watching this, um, because I watched it like earlier on like when we were in college and stuff like that yeah yeah i recently watched it and you know it's it does look a little hokey at the you know now like the scenery and stuff like that but it's still like it's nice world building of the particular like props and you know all of the scenes that they have and everything along those lines so you know I, i definitely give them props on like building a world yeah um yeah the 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 world building this is is really interesting especially with all the the like mars alien scenes yeah um but when they um they they went to theaters you know you have to pretty much if you want to be like in a mainstream theater uh have to go through the mpaa um this was originally rated x yeah (laughs) Um, i can see that it's it's actually one of the last movies to be rated X because this is pre NC seventeen, mm-hmm. um, so that's an interesting little bit of film history. Um, but it uh, you know they they cut some of the more more flagrant violence, um, and they actually debuted at number one. It unseated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, another film that we've covered in this podcast, yeah. uh, in the box office. Um, yeah. So, you know, lots of uh, critics actually felt that the violence and the on-screen deaths were particularly egregious. Um, yeah, I I mean, again, I saw it when I was in college, so yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, I would assume for its time, it was probably pretty Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's exceptionally violent. It, but on that and same again, token... With the whole, like, topless three, you know, topless lady. It's yeah, like, three boobs. Yeah, like... <laughs> did not need to be in there like yeah yeah well and and... exactly what like besides like oh there's mutants or like people who like you know augment their bodies and stuff like that other than that world building it was like this isn't super necessary but i guess it it... really isn't but i mean i don't know and like verhoven is just like maximum ridiculosity in a lot of ways he's not a very subtle person um but you know even though critics didn't like the on-screen deaths and stuff this movie still won a special achievement in best visual effects at the academy awards so this is this is an academy award winning film oh um I mean, you can say the same thing about Suicide Squad because that's the same thing that Suicide Squad got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it. I mean, you know, the movie does look cool, but I just think it's funny that they're like 
that's too violent. It looks too realistic. And then it's like, here's an award for looking realistic. Realistic, yeah. Here's an award for looking too good. It's like, um, I'm so the, confused. Uh, yeah, it's like, well, what what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, it part it's part of marketing. You know, they'll, they'll, it used to be a bigger thing. Some places still may do it. I think Disney does it for Star Wars. But they would put out novelizations of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as like marketing material basically which they they kind of don't do that unless it's already based on a book which this is based on a short story so you'd think they just put out a collection of them but yeah. um instead they hired pierce anthony to write a novelization um he worked from a draft of the script that was earlier in production Mm-hmm. So there are huge differences between which I kind of want to read this novelization now and be like, wait, what? There's what? <laughs> there's so many apparently major, major differences throughout the entire story. Um, the ambiguity of whether a dream is happening or not uh, yeah. is taken away entirely. Um, I like the that sub- part. Well, the, the subplot where aliens had a fail safe system in Mars tech, uh, so that if it was misused or destroyed, the local star would go supernova and prevent species from entering the galactic community. Like that's apparently a subplot in the Ah. book that it's just, that's not even mentioned in the movie. Um, Interesting. Yeah. There's a, uh, a video game of it. I I remember I had a copy of it. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It was an NES, uh, it was it was a side scrolling beat em up, and I, my brother and I could never get past the subway level, which you'll note is very early in the movie. And so, yeah, I don't know what the rest of that game looks like, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a TV series in 1999 called uh, Total Recall 2070. Uh, it was supposed to be a sequel, but it's more like Blade Runner than Total Recall, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's comics. There was the remake that you and I saw. I think we were in college together when yeah. we saw it. Who was, um, who was the main actor in that one? Colin, was, uh, Farrell. Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He dirty, was the main dirty. actor. Yeah. Um, so dirty. He is. He he loves playing dirty characters. Mm. Um, now, there is... Uh, my last note on here is that there was a sequel written called Total mm. Recall 2 in which uh, Schwarzenegger... Well, no, he so he starts working as a reformed lawman. Uh, yeah. And so the Martians are used as clairvoyance to stop crime before it happens. This sounds um, like um, Minority Report. Well, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> it's Minority Report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in 1994, Ronnie Yu uh, was hired to direct. 1998, Jonathan Frakes was hired to direct. And then eventually, Steven Spielberg adapted it as Minority Report in yeah. 2002. <laughs> Which, funnily enough, that's also actually based on um, another Philip K. Dick short short story. Yeah, is the one right. that Spielberg adapted. So, yeah, like it's it's just like a big circle with the screenplay. Like, I don't <laughs> see how you can't have that happen with forty two different drafts of the script. But yeah. you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I I just remember seeing this movie. I was probably way too young to be watching this movie because. I remember renting it in a blockbuster and oh, I was wow. 
when that was probably yeah so i was probably in or no it wasn't even blockbuster it was like the local mom and pop video thing Mm -hmm. um i mean i was probably in second or third grade oh wow yeah yeah no i i loved it though like it was like the violence is cartoonish like i guess at the time it was realistic but it's it's not um it's not like medical and gross to me if that makes sense yeah there's a lot of like i guess blood splurts and stuff like that especially yeah. when like they're fighting and everything like that yeah which again is is to me is more falls in the more like cartoony area Mm-hmm. yeah i mean um, like i said i saw it when i was in uh college so it was i don't know i guess it lost some of that like rustic charm because it does look a little oh it looks dated it does it, not look like yeah, a good movie. It, <laughs> it did not age well yeah it definitely did not age well and um i mean really it's arnold schwarzenegger that kind of carries the movie that's all i can kind of remember is just like his ridiculous faces especially when he's in that machine like trying to like figure out if you know who he is and everything along those lines yeah like you know a lot of like his facial expressions well and like the facial expressions they do when he's exposed to the open atmosphere on mars and like his eyes are coming out of his head yeah yeah so i think that's really what like carries the movie for me yeah and that's you know what um i guess really kind of drew me into the movie i guess yeah Hmm. well it's funny i was i was uh organizing um other episodes as like like backups and stuff mm-hmm. and um we started this year with an arnold schwarzenegger movie in kindergarten <laughs> cop and we're kind of ending up this season with, with another one another one <laughs> with total yeah. recall which is kind of funny <laughs> to me um, i mean he's a arnold schwarzenegger is a funny like I don't know if he's meant to be funny or plays as funny. Oh, I think like... he's supposed to be. Like he's supposed to have the same sort of like mainstream appeal. I think as um, like Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Like he's funny, but he can do dramatic roles really well. Um, and you know, he just has a whole lot of like. Ugh, it makes me feel dirty charisma. to say it, but crossover appeal. <laughs> <laughs> eh, i would say charisma but yeah yeah it's crossover appeal <laughs> yeah um but i mean it's I, I don't know i mean i would i'm I'm kind of on the fence if i would recommend it or not oh um, really yeah i mean i would recommend it over the remake yeah that's definitely true I, the remake is uh not that great it's not great plus plus they uh i don't know if you remember this but they re-edited it to be a a pg-13 oh which don't remember that yeah they um they severely cut down on the violence that this film is known for uh Hmm. so yeah i i don't know what what they were thinking when they were doing that to be honest yeah (laughs) Um, it just seems like a very weird um choice to make yeah um 
but uh but yeah i mean i i definitely recommend it if you like stupid silly violent movies um i mean it definitely is a stupid or a stupid silly violent movie i will give it that (laughs) yeah yeah um but uh but yeah if if you like those types of movies you'll probably have fun if you're looking for a serious like sci-fi movie but again, it's like it's Arnold not. Schwarzenegger. You should know what you're like, kind of getting yourself into. Yeah, like I mean, have you he's... seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that's like serious? Um, if you could count Eraser as serious, uh... oh, actually, yes, uh, there is one. It's um, uh, Maggie. Have you seen that? I have not seen Maggie. So it's a um, it's a story of a guy during the zombie apocalypse, and mm-hmm. his his uh, daughter is infected with it, and so it's like him coming to terms with, but like she's not like turned yet. So the whole movie is him like coming to terms with losing her. Oh, that's. But it's it's like a hundred percent a drama movie, even though it's that's a ridiculous pretext. Yeah. Huh. Um, Interesting. It's uh, yeah, no, it's it's a a, a really good one. Um, that I definitely I might have to check that one out. Yeah. I'm sure that this exists, but I kind of wonder if there's already a line of Arnold Schwarzenegger um, podcasts where people just watch all of his works. Yeah. I'm sure there probably is. Yeah, I mean, there probably how many, is. How many like, works does he have? Um, that, I'm sure there's a lot. There's probably a lot. Um... Let's see. Maybe that's something we could go through Studio Ghibli, and then we can go through. Uh... Yeah, if there's a Patreon uh, surge, <laughs> we can we can uh, go through Studio Ghibli, and then uh, Schwarzenegger. We could yeah. just do like a series of like mini episodes. Uh, <laughs> man, where is your filmography on your Wikipedia page, my man? Uh, I'm not Probably seeing it. Doesn't want anyone to know yeah it's like is he trying like it's mainly his political stuff and it's like i don't care um yeah let's see as far as movies there's one two three four five six it's probably a lot if i had to take a guess Seven forty-eight. Okay. He is in forty-eight movies. For a second, I thought I lost you there. No, no, no. Sorry, I was just like trying to keep because I have my my uh, window very small at this point. I should oh, okay. blow it up because I'm. Let's see, and then so yeah, forty-eight movies. That wow. is that is an insane amount. That's a lot. It's definitely a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's not a Philip Dick book. It's kind of not super serious um it is kind of gory there is a lot of like interesting like world building that they don't really get too much into but you know what are you going to do about that but nonetheless yeah you know maybe maybe it would be an interesting movie to recommend and watch if if you hadn't seen it yeah 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 that's what i'm thinking is that it would it would be um 
interesting to see if you've never seen it. And if you've already seen it, you know what you're getting into. So you'll either exactly. rewatch it or you just won't. Yeah. Um, and again, like it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, so you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah. 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 Like the the number of serious movies he's been into is far less than the movie the the amount of of weird bullshit like I'm gonna stab this guy with a steam pipe type movies. He's yeah. Been. yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. Um. So I guess with that, uh, we can just roll right on into me me me's. Okay. Um, because I do recommend this movie. So. Yeah, um, I'm kind of on I mean, the fence. I mean, yeah. more leaning towards recommend, but like. So we've got like a thumbs up and then kind of a meh hand symbol. Yeah, more like in the side, on the side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in like the um, Coliseum where like people. Does he live? Does he die? It's like, just hold your thumb out to the side. Yeah. <laughs> keep him guessing. Keep, it, keep, keep on holding it. I could take it and leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I got um, two comics, a show, and a movie. Okay. I got one thing, but it's going to be a long one thing. Why don't I go through all of mine and then you can wrap it up then? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so the the movie, um, there, there was a theme to this this one, I think, between this movie and the show, is that um, I watched a movie called Public Enemies. Have you ever seen? No. Seen I mean, that? I so, know of the band Public Enemies. Or Public Enemy number one. Enemy, yeah. There's just one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, Whereas Public Enemy... Yeah, that's actually... I don't know why they wouldn't have called it Public Enemy number one. Although it's based on a, a book that I read years ago. Mm. Um, it's... So the book itself is focusing on bank robbers from the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it's a true crime book, right? But um, the film uh, has uh, Johnny Depp playing mm-hmm. John Dillinger. Mm-hmm. Um and it has Christian Bale. Uh, let's see. What is his name again? I think he's playing Nelson Purvis. Mm. Uh, but he was kind of a, a G-man at the time and was sent after these guys to round them up. Uh, yeah, Melvin Purvis. Not Nelson Purvis. Melvin Purvis. Okay. Um, but, you know there's a lot of crossover in there between um, Babyface Nelson is a character in there. Uh, you're introduced to Melvin Purvis as he's shooting down pretty boy Floyd, which I don't think actually happened. Like they have that in there to show that like he wasn't afraid to gun down a criminal or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, and, and the reason that that didn't actually happen is that if you look at the history of the FBI, um, up through the 30s they were actually not allowed to carry firearms um that's not to say that they didn't Mm -hmm. but like the the when it was just the bureau of investigation like they could operate across state lines but they had to rely on a whole lot of like sheriff and local policemen to actually do the enforcing of it yeah because they weren't allowed to carry anything Mm um and then that changed towards the end of the 30s um i want to say that dillinger was one of the first few people to be killed by an fbi agent in the field with a gun 
Oh, wow. Um, hmm. Like officially, like when they were allowed to carry them. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, you know, spoilers for that real life occurrence that happened almost a hundred years ago is that John Dillinger got shot yeah, <laughs> I, while coming I out of a movie. Don't think that's spoilers. Yeah. Um, but it's, so yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, a, a movie directed by the guy that did, um, uh, Miami Vice, Michael Mann. And, mm-hmm. um, it, if, yeah, it focuses, it's a period piece. It focuses on the, the back and forth between, popular gangsters of the time and um uh lawmen at the time and i remember uh growing up my grandfather uh mentioning because he was actually alive at the time that a lot of this stuff was going on that's cool saying that i mean he was a a child but you know like but he still regular people well yeah and like according to him like regular people actually were on the side of the gangsters because the gangsters by and large were not like killing regular people they were like sticking up the bank and yeah taking the bank's money that was insured and like no one really because this is also during the great depression so like no one has any money <laughs> yeah yeah um and a lot but, of people uh, you know saw them like as taking from the man yeah exactly so which i mean they actually pay homage to to that like that's a popular belief that's not just something that was relayed to me by my grandfather like um like there, there's a, a scene where you know dillinger and the guys that he's partnered with to to rob this bank in chicago um come in fire off their guns so that people know that they're carrying around tommy guns and um people start emptying their pockets and like he he, he stops uh the guys he's with from taking their money and they're like nope we're we're after the vault because also i mean some farmers depositing like 10 bucks into his bank account like come on like (laughs) (laughs) which funnily enough uh, tangent i was looking up um what the cost of a thompson submachine gun from the 30s was because i like well i was i was curious because you only see like the gangsters with them right um and and i was like well why 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 are the fbi guys running around with just like long rifles and handguns like why Mm -hmm. don't they have these things um the the cost of getting like it was pretty much something that criminals were getting surplus from military because they were a military weapon Hmm. um they were so expensive that you could like, I forget the exact amount of money, but you could buy two or three brand new cars for the, the, the amount of money it would take you to get one of these. So it's like, okay, yeah. So that's a hundred percent, a gangster thing going, Hey, look what I got. Yeah. Look at my fancy Thompson gun. (laughs) Look at my fancy Tommy gun. Like the rate of fire was really intense too. Like it was something that, um, you know, outfired basically anything that the police had, right? Yeah, because I mean, they they at the time would have been walking around with like shotguns and um, maybe revolvers, maybe rifles. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so the uh, Thompson submachine gun. It's an M nineteen twenty one. So it was actually made for officers in World War One. Uh, let's see. So 
they were modular so that was why they were largely why they were popular you could fit one once it was disassembled in a violin case yeah um so you could secret it away very easily yeah. <laughs> um, i don't see anything about its rate of fire but they're the the rounds are 45 acp which i'm hmm. sure gun nuts will know what that means I, all i know is that that's a very large caliber for a handgun um, yeah so these are these are pretty big rounds that they're tossing around um and yeah they, they would have been way faster rate of fire than anything uh, that that 1930s sheriffs out in the middle of nowhere would have yeah yeah um but yeah it's a really well shot movie it's all digital so if that look bothers you you may not like it because michael mann has a habit of, of using direct to digital um shooting styles Mm -hmm. so it it um it it has a tendency to kind of look oversaturated um so if that's a bother maybe maybe don't watch it but i i think it's a fun movie at the very least um the show follows from that and that it's also period piece it's a uh set in the 30s um it's called damnation and it's the story of a um i don't think they ever actually say whether he's socialist or communist in it but it's it's a um guy trying to uh, spread unionization uh, he's a he's a, a union uh, rabble rouser yeah. <laughs> um, in uh in damnation kansas in the 30s and some of the frankly out of control bullshit that would go on between like pinkertons who would just shoot up a church yeah. <laughs> um, uh, to keep people from from you and just you know put the fear of of whatever into people um but it's, it's a really interesting drama show it's only got one season um hmm. apparently no one really liked it when it came out oh, i yeah. find it entertaining um so but, you're giving uh, it a recommend <laughs> so i'm definitely giving it a recommend it's on netflix it's only like 10 episodes it's not very long Okay. Um, at all uh and then the last two things are comics um so as everyone knows by now i love uh licensed adaptations of things yeah. <laughs> um i i don't know why it's just it's very um it's interesting to see something in a different medium than it was originally intended I yeah guess. yeah um and you have to have its own like spin and everything yeah so so i um i watched or not watched i read uh the uh dc comics adaptation of injustice mm-hmm. uh years one through five hmm. um it's such a good line uh I, I know a lot of people don't really like the whole like what if superman went bad storyline yeah. it's actually really well done in the comic um it's it's like they could have very easily done like a Mortal Kombat like type comic where it's just like there's some portals and now these people are fighting. Look yeah. at them fighting. Don't they fight well? But like like these are actual like comic storylines. Like yeah, they, they they, there's there's a plot behind them. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh yeah, I, I really recommend those. Um I still need to read Injustice 2 because I just have the years one through five collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also picked up a uh, 
a huge volume. It's uh, 750 pages. Jeez, uh, wow. It's, it's uh, only 250 of that is comics, but it's the Marvel UK Star Wars collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a bunch of stuff that came out right after the very first Star Wars that was put out by Marvel UK. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of one and two page comics that you'd find like the, the, the way British comics were done um, at the time is that they would typically have one or two pages of story and they would all be bundled together in like a big digest Yeah. rather than having a separate book for each story. And so it's 250 pages or so of this is comics. Um, and then 500 pages of it is uh, ads behind the scene photos articles from the fanzines that were being put out at the time yeah um really interesting historical look at it um but uh it's it's a really interesting volume um it's real funny to read a star wars comic when only only the first movie had come out yeah (laughs) (laughs) and them having to predict like Okay, so we've seen like because like the Marvel UK people like are in touch with Lucasfilm, yeah. but like they don't have access to the script. So, but they they have access to like the art styles and kind of some direction. So it's like, well, we know that there's a snow planet, but how do we get them there? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just these weird convolutions that they have to make to to get them where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you see a copy of that for cheap, pull it out. It's 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 got way less comics than you're anticipating, though. Um, so mm-hmm. if you don't care about ads for things or behind the scenes photos or articles from fanzines, you may want to skip it. But um, it's I still recommend it. Okay, nice. Um, yeah. So those were my things. So what is your one big thing? Well, uh, it's it's now more like two one one smaller thing um okay so i listened to the new gorillas uh album um sound machine fantastic um it's you know i've always really enjoyed uh the gorillas i've really enjoyed all of their eps that they put out yeah uh plastic island um the green album uh demon days it's all been fantastic. I've, Demon I've, Days is hands down my favorite. Yeah. Um, and I actually... So here's how it leads to it. Um, do you know um, like the term VTuber? VTuber? Yes. So they are virtual YouTubers. Um, it's a... Big, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yes. So it's actually a big thing over in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, there are actually, I think there's two big studios. Um, I forget the first studio, but there's Hollow Life, where they actually reach out to, you know, um, some people. Usually they're like streamers or people who have like natural singing talents and stuff like that and their not policy but what they want to do is like make idols virtual idols and they end up giving them like a 2d um animated model which um face recognizes so when the person who's streaming you know can manipulate the model by just like 
putting up their camera and making expressions and the model basically follows those expressions. Yeah. Which I think is super cool. Like the kind of technology that we've, we've moved to nowadays. Um, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of, well, first I started watching the uh, Japanese um, VTubers with like, I forget some of their names, but they were mainly just like clips that people had translated because again, they're speaking in Japanese. They're, you know, some of them speak in broken English. <laughs> there's, uh, there's this one doggo character. I forget the character's name, <laughs> but she speaks like she's done a, um, like a solely English, like stream once before. And yeah. it was, it was cute because they've, followed the path of like cute anime people doing cute things um some of them can be a little like off the rails maybe a little bit some of them can be a little lewd but recently there has been um a release of the hollow live uh english so there's five new english characters um mainly for the english community and um, I've ended up watching all of their, well, not all of their, they stream every day, which is a lot. Um, yeah. And I believe that there's five of them, but they're all really talented. And I catch a couple of their like archived um, videos, which have all been really like impressive as like somebody who's, you know, streaming on youtube because they just it's all solely through youtube since youtube has its own like streaming platform and everything like that um but the three like main uh characters that i follow and it's funny because they are characters they are playing like a particular uh persona sure which is really cool um there's callie who's supposed to be like this demon or demon um like she's death she has like a scythe and um but the main thing is she does a lot of like rapping like she is fantastic at like singing and rapping and she does like a mixture of uh english and japanese rapping which is just really awesome it's super impressive and i've really been enjoying her streams um and then there's uh amelia watson her character or her like gimmick is um she's uh playing watson the british like oh uh, like sherlock yeah (laughs) yeah so she's got this whole like british stick and um you know she plays a lot of like deduction games she also plays a lot of um spf uh she's been playing like valorant and um oh Oh, really yeah and she's really good at it she's been like you know again you can tell that she has uh quite a lot of experience and she's um i wouldn't call her on the looter side but she she is a little bit more <laughs> not family friendly right uh but um she's quite funny and 
I, I think she's the one who breaks out of character most, but she like breaks out of character just to be silly. Which is, <laughs> you know, always funny. And then yeah. there's uh, Gura. She's a little tiny shark girl and she is so adorable. She is very moe and um, <laughs> she's just super cute. I haven't heard that word in years. Moe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um she's really good at like playing rhythm games um so it's really interesting to like see her play those particular rhythm games those beat games and stuff like that and um yeah i i would recommend them and it it just kind of like so it opens up like a door into like all sorts of different like because there's independent like vtubers who are doing the whole virtual thing because if you can get like a, a decent um model like a decent 2d animation model there's a lot of like free face tracking softwares and stuff like that that you can end up just kind of putting that together so i dived that deep down into that hole and that's why it kind of links up with gorillas because like well they're an entirely vtuber band before vtube was a thing (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean they were all virtual reality or virtual like characters and stuff like that they all had their own unique like personalities you know each one had their own backstory and it was really interesting to sort of see that so yeah i kind of uh dived a little deep into that and i've been watching a lot of like streams and stuff like that a lot of um i guess archive streams i'm not big into like watching actual stream streams because i do like where i can control the pace like if it gets a little bit slower in particular parts i can you know kind of fast forward to it or if i miss something i can always rewind usually when something's live you know you have to like fully pay attention to it and like i can do other things like work on other projects as i'm watching the archives and if i like miss something i can always just like pause it and move back or something along those lines right but yeah i i've actually really enjoyed it um it's interesting watching the japanese vtubers um it's actually helped me a little bit with my japanese because they speak very um conversational japanese um, oh yeah i bet that does talking. help yeah, they they're talking to chat and it's very um it's very I guess very conversational. Um yeah. you know, I, I believe they know that they have like overseas fans, so they usually try to if they're bilingual talk in English or explain what they're saying or they end up like kind of talking a little bit slower in Japanese and stuff like that. And it's kind of helped me pick up back up some of my Japanese as well. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, because it's like it's kind of hard to uh, learn. Like you know, I watch anime, but like most of that anime is not like practical and or practical Japanese. Right. Like, a lot of you know anime characters are saying like words that you would never use in a daily conversation, and you're just like not sure like what it is and everything like that. So. It's interesting um, just kind of watching these uh, VTubers. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, a deep dive, and I can see how people get lost into it. So we'll see how, yeah. how, how deep I go into this rabbit hole. Well, is the um, is the Gorillaz album any good? Yeah, I, I love it. Um, like, is it Demon Days good, or is it like... It's not Demon Days good, so... Okay. Demon Days, their original um you know gorillas 
but then this is my third. Like that, I think it's much better than Plastic Island. Okay. And um, the other. Oh, see, I like Plastic Island. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you would like this. Like they okay. have interesting um, guest uh, performers on it. They had Elton John singing the song. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I think they also have like Jack Black in there doing something too. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. He's, he says he's retired, but I mean, all evidence to the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had another i forget this particular rapper but they had one uh, um uh, a famous rapper on there too and yeah it, it's good like okay all their songs are really um really good i would recommend giving it a listen to especially since a lot they put most of their songs on youtube oh okay yeah cool but yeah that's well that's yeah it. i'll definitely check that out yeah um well in the uh the meantime um you know, people can can catch us on uh, Facebook at Backrow Super Show for separate words. Yeah. Uh, shoot us an email, Backrow Super Show at gmail.com. Um, our current book club, which will go up in two weeks, mm-hmm. is actually two because we we had agreed that they're not really dense enough to really justify an entire episode. And yeah, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They're by the same author. Um, you know. Rather than releasing two 20-minute episodes, let's put out one 40-minute one. Yeah. <laughs> in my, my feeling. Um, I hear that. And, uh, so, yeah, with after that, we will, uh, the next, like, main show, we'll be focusing on the Dr. Sleep movie that came out a couple years ago. Um, yeah, and so the reason for that. that. Well, yeah, and the reason for that is because we read the book, and mm-hmm. then the movie came out. Um, like, why not check it? like a week or two after we put out the episode for the, the book club. So it's like, well, let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's finally step in. I've watched it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, okay. I'll let you, we'll, we can talk about it off mic. Um, our feelings on it, but, uh, it's, you know, well, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'll give you a chance to, to see it and then we can kind of discuss it and, put kind of condense our thoughts into an episode and um after that uh it will be the end of the season so uh when we come back in 2021 we may have some surprises up our sleeve for you yeah that sentence works out right (laughs) our our collective sleeve we've got both of our hands just jammed in that sleeve yeah so we'll just we'll just um do a like a state of the podcast maybe at the end of dr sleep so um sounds good stick around and we will see you when we see you yeah. <laughs> whenever talk, whenever a con's happen again next time <laughs> yeah all right see you next time bye, bye. everybody bye